Hello, everyone. Welcome again to another Devo with Patrick and Jamie. So glad you could join us today. And today we get the chance to uh, zoom all the way out to the last book of the Bible. We are talking about what chapter of Revelation, Patrick? Uh, chapter five. And this is part two of a three-part Sunday Devo series that we're doing. So, Revelation 5. Awesome. I love it, man. I love being in Revelation 5. I've had a chance to preach on this and uh, spend a little bit of time studying it, but it's always good just to be able to, to jump in and look at it, at, at it straight up, look at it with fresh eyes. So, Patrick, do you want to be our reader for Revelation 5 today? Yeah, I can read it. Are we reading the whole thing? Yeah, let's read 1 through 14, do the whole deal. Got it. All right. Revelation chapter 5, starting at verse 1 out of the NIV. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seal and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, "Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals." Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each had one harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and the priests to serve our God and they will reign on earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice, they were saying, Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in the heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb to be praised and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said, amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I love this, man. We just went through a full chapter of the book of Revelation. And last week we did get a chance to look at Revelation chapter one. Now there's some similarities between Revelation five and Revelation one. And the similarities are that we get this image of Jesus. The Revelation one image that we looked at last week, it was the one that was like kind of scary. Patrick, you remember any of that? Yeah. 
In fact, someone that listened to it, part of what we said in the Devo is the image of God that was described, which was kind of scary with the lampstands and the lights and everything else, the tongue, the tongues of swords. We challenged our listeners to try to draw that. And uh, I actually got a response from someone. Someone texted me saying that they listened to the Devo and that they're taking notes. And when we said, you know, try to draw it, they did. And I thought that it was a really good drawing, but I also realized like, wow, uh, one, I have no artistic ability, so I would have never even been able to, but their drawing featured everything that was part of the passage. And although the drawing was very good, the image as a whole was very scary. Uh, yes, I was like to actually see someone's interpretation made me realize that was probably going to be a lot more terrifying than even my imagination could come up with. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it is a terrifying image. We get this image that, that is scary. Uh, we get an image that, you know, well, I guess you look at John's response in chapter one, he falls down dead as if dead when he sees it. Right. It's like, right. Uh, this is too much. So here we get another image and, and just to give a little background here, chapters four and five in revelation are, are what's called, you know, being in the throne room of God. Um, John says he's, you know, taking up, taken up in the spirit. Uh, and so he's in heaven, he's getting this like window. It's like, he, there's like a window into, into heaven, into being in the throne room of God to see what's happening. Um, kind of a cool idea, kind of a cool thing for him to see. And it is a revelation, meaning this is a specific vision for John for a reason, for a purpose. And he gets to see this crazy thing that happens. And there's two main things that we see or two main images. Uh, and in my, in my Bible, the, the heading for this section is the scroll and the lamb. So there are two things going on. There's a scroll and a lamb. So Pat, when I, when I say the word scroll, what do you think of? Like what comes to mind? Well, you know, I feel like this wouldn't be a Devo if we didn't reference Shrek because the past yes. few times we've always said Shrek. And Love when it. you say scroll, I remember the part in Shrek where, uh, there's the man, you know, Shrek enter, enters the, the castle and the man opens up the scroll and kind of starts reading some rules. <laughs> so that, that is what came to mind. <laughs> yeah. So like he, he rolls open this scroll and it kind of has like, like wooden kind of dowels or whatever on either end. Rolling and, pins. Yeah. Rolling, like rolling pins. pins. Yeah. <laughs> rolling, that's perfect. Rolling pins. <laughs> On either end, and it kind of rolls together, and and uh, I think just just to get you an idea, right? We haven't always had uh, digital content to read. Before that, there were these things called books and magazines and newspapers, and and it's all paper products. And paper products uh, are made out of pulp from from wood from trees, and we have machines that do that, and it can become you know very cost effective to print. Um, I don't know how much a sheet of paper costs because frankly, it's so cheap. It probably isn't even worth paying attention to unless you go through lots of paper in any given year. And now paper is becoming more and more obsolete as everything becomes digital. But back then, if we go way back to when John was getting this revelation, paper isn't really the most efficient way of doing things. It was, it was actually very costly to make paper because you had to have trees uh, you had to do a very lengthy process and the quality of the paper that you got, it might look kind of cool, uh, but you didn't have paper that was like bleached white that you could write a bunch of stuff on. 
And so back in that day when people would write on paper or when they would uh, write something important, a lot of the times it was on animal skins. And yeah. animal skins, uh, when you would when you would write things on animal skins, you could roll it up a, a bunch of times and unravel it, and it would be it would be fine. It would actually, yeah. you know, work for that. And so, mm-hmm. like, if you think about even reading scripture back then, that the scriptures were put on rolls. And if anyone ever gets a chance to go to Israel, and there's something I haven't had a chance to do this, but but apparently there's a museum that has. Almost the it has the entire scroll of Isaiah that was discovered at uh, the caves in Qumran, and they have the whole mm. thing unraveled in a giant circle. You can actually Google it and look on it online, and you can mm. see the entire thing. And so the way that people would read scripture was almost kind of like going from scroll to scroll, and you had you had these big heavy scrolls that were treated as very important, a very big deal. Today, we don't really necessarily treat our scripture as important as that as we used to. Well, you, you got you to gotta slow down a little bit because yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. maybe like not you and me. However, sure. I, I have wor- I worked at a different church and that church's building was used to host worship services for a Jewish synagogue that also had a synagogue on the on the same property, the same land. And while they were building their synagogue, they used the church to further services. And I would often get hired to run the soundboard and the tech stuff and everything. And they had um, a Torah scroll and it was huge and they would use it. And it, and I got to like, like kind of unroll it once and see it and like really up close uh, without anyone around, you know, the, the rabbi was there with me, kind of explaining it to me. And he was saying that, all of the the Torahs, they have specific uh, production requirements and rules on how they're made. Maybe you and I, we don't rely on scrolls, but in the in the Jewish religion, the a Torah scroll is very important and yeah. um, central to a lot of their their worship that they do. Yeah, absolutely, and I think. Definitely, I think that uh, in the Jewish faith, they have hung on to some of those traditions and kept them. Uh, and Torah is very important, especially without uh, the mm-hmm. temple system in place, um, that keeping the law is really important, keeping those papers. Uh, I remember when I was first doing youth ministry, we were um, setting everything up in the room and we were trying to uh, work some of the sound stuff to get it right. And we had a speaker that was a little off and we needed to like wedge the speaker to move it up a little bit. And so I I just started grabbing extra Bibles. I'm like, here, just use these Bibles. Uh, And so we had a stack of Bibles that was like propping up a speaker. And our senior pastor walked in and he looked at it. He's like, do you really want to use Bibles just to prop up a speaker? He's like, that seems a little weird. Um, And so so I kind of, I get how, yeah, today we we, uh, don't necessarily pay as much attention to the material or the media uh, on which we get, the scripture. When we talk about scrolls, I want to come back to our Revelation chapter five. Scrolls back then were important, were important deals. And something that I think when we look at this passage, there's this scroll and the person holding the scroll is God. Now, man, you know, like if you're holding a book uh, and you're an important person, most likely the book you're holding is an important book if you're an important person, right? Important people usually have things around them that are that are important. And, uh, and so here... Here is God holding a scroll. Uh, that's a pretty big deal, right? You're like, if you ever right. wonder, like, I wonder what God's reading today. Um, well, 
here we have him holding a scroll. Now, it doesn't say he's reading it. It actually says that he he's holding on to it, and an angel cries out, who's worthy to open this thing? Who can even open it? And the scroll in the scripture says it's sealed with seven seals, which seven, by the way, if you're ever reading through scripture, seven is the number of like perfection or completion. I don't know, kind of in our culture, what we would think would be perfect. People would say like 100%, that would be like complete. And, and 10 is also an important number in scripture too, but... Uh, but seven would be would be a perfect number. So um, for something to be, you know, seven of something, it would be uh, not lacking anything. So for something to be sealed with seven seals means this thing is perfectly sealed. There is no, it's not missing any uh, being sealed at all. This thing is, it's set, it's done. It cannot be any more sealed than it is, but there's no one to open it. And if you read in it, John starts crying. John's like not, you know, he's not like a, a little kid. He, I mean, I don't know how emotional he is as a person, um, maybe more so than some of the other folks in scripture, but his response is he's weeping. He's like, here's this thing in the hand of God. And he starts crying. Like what? It's like he knew inside him. He's kind of like he knew inside him what it said almost. Yeah. Or the weight, the weight of what it was, I yes. guess. Yeah. I, I kind of like, kind of think it's, you know, you're you're graduating high school and they hand you your diploma and they say, like, here's your diploma, but you can't ever open it. It's like, you know what it is and you know that it's worth something, but yeah. you can't like go. That has no you can't go apply for a job and then all of a sudden be like, here's my diploma, but you can't actually see it. So people right. are like, what are you talking about? That would make yeah. me cry. I, that's kind of how I relate. I don't I don't know if that's right. But the other thing that it's like besides a diploma, is it's kind of like a will. Now, if you think mm. about a will, like a last will and testament, you know, people have those, they seal them up, and then when they pass on, the will, the will is read. And when that will is read, it is, um, there's someone who's called an executor of an estate, and they're the one who is in charge of making those words reality. And so, mm. uh, you know, you have someone whose words are important, and until you open up that will and read it aloud, it is not, it doesn't, it's not going to enact anything. It's not going to happen, mm. right? Nothing's going to happen until it's open. And so I think you're right. Like John's there. He's like, hey, we have this thing. I see it's important, but I'm crying because there's no way for me to open this up. There's no way for me to, um, and it's not even that he wants to open it up. He's that there's, there's no one who can open this. And if you look around the room, he's in the throne room of God. There's some heavyweights in there, you know, <laughs> right? Like there's yeah. these crazy creatures. There's 24 elders, you know, there's angels. Like this is not a place that is empty of people who seem pretty, you know, like holy. And, and, and But there's no one. There's no one who has the authority to open it up. And God's not opening it up on his own. And that's another kind of weird thing. It's like, well, couldn't God open it up? And I think the answer to that is... Yeah, God could probably open that up. And I read something that's interesting on this and that I, I really kind of gravitate towards. And, you know, like if it is a will, you wouldn't open up your own will and read it out loud. You would hand it off to an executor or to the benefactor, the person who's who's benefiting from it. And the interesting part on this is that is that um, they think that this that this document or that this scroll it's kind of like symbolic of the covenant that God has with his people. Hmm. So for years, 
forever. God has had these covenants with people and, and we see them throughout scripture and, and the covenant, even like the, the covenant of Noah is with animals too. They're included in that covenant, which is kind of cool. Right. It's yeah. like all creation. And so God has this, these covenant uh, covenants with people. Um, and so he hands, you know, he kind of hands these covenants to people and a covenant is a lot like a will in that it's kind of one-sided. It's like, there's a person who gives it and there's a person who receives it. And so God makes covenants with his people. And this covenant is something that needs to be given to someone who's a person, someone who has some humanity. And, and so it can't necessarily be that God just has it and is decreeing it as much as there needs to be a person on the other side to give it to, but no one's worthy. There isn't a person mm. who's worthy to receive this covenant because everyone's mm-hmm. messed up. Everyone's made a mistake. And I don't know how you feel, Pat, but there's days where I don't feel worthy of, uh, of all the grace that God has given me. And yeah. I think there's a reality behind that of like, well, I'm not worthy. And that's why it's so great. Like, that's why it's grace, you know? I 100% agree. And there's days where I feel like, wow, you know, I made so many mistakes. I, I like sinned in such a huge way. Like I'm, how am I worthy? You know, like there's so many other people and that's like the, the loop I get caught in is like compare, comparing myself to others. Yeah. It's like so many oh, more yeah. people are worthy of this, you know, so many more people are probably, you know, just better. And so there's no one worthy. There's no one out there who's worthy. And then the angel reminds him, like, hey, wait, we have this promised Lion of Judah, this Root of Jesse. And these are all like messianic titles, right? So it's like, there's going to be someone who comes who is worthy. Uh, and so here's what I'm thinking. I don't know if this is right or not, because I can't jump into John's mind. But my guess is when John hears that, he's thinking, oh, yeah, chapter one, right? I saw Jesus with a sword in his mouth and his hair's like white as snow and his feet are on right. fire and there's like his eyes are blazing. Like like that's the Jesus who's going to come save the day. Like that person must be worthy because they look like pretty epic. And so my guess is John's going to turn around uh, or that John is thinking he's going to turn around and see that Jesus. He's going to see this powerful Jesus. And instead, what does he see? A lamb, a slain, slain lamb, a lamb that looks like it's been killed, slain. And the way yeah. back then, you know, typically a lamb that's been slain is a lamb when, you know, they, it's kind of gross, but they cut like the neck area of the lamb, which is not really a, a powerful looking creature, to be honest. I mean, lambs are like, you know, I mean, they're basically <laughs> like a walking pillow, yeah. right? <laughs> I mean, they're like... Least intimidating animal I think you could probably have would be a lamb. Uh, what is it going to do? You know, like eat some grass? I don't know. Um, <laughs> be soft. Yeah, be soft. <laughs> be soft. <laughs> I like that. Uh, so it's not exactly the most intimidating, worthy-looking creature, but here you here you have it. It's this lamb looking at it as, as if it had been slain, standing at the center. And, and in that, we have this lamb who's in the midst of the throne of God, and the lamb is able to take the scroll from the hand of God. And that's a crazy thing, right? I mean, I don't know. If God had something in his hand and was like, would you reach up and take for it? Like, I wouldn't. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'd be like, ah, I don't want to. I don't want to take that. I, I wouldn't either, especially if I had hooves. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, exactly, know. right. If you have hooves, uh, 
That's a fun word to say, by the way. If you have, yeah, if you don't even, like, how did the lamb take? And and then we get this description of the lamb, too, that's kind of interesting. The lamb has seven horns. Uh, The lamb has seven eyes. And I think that's just symbolic. I mean, this is stuff that's in what they call apocalyptic literature, where you get these symbols of things. And, And the point isn't that you need to understand exactly what the image of this this creature looks like it's making a point about what it is it's kind of like a little bit of a of a poetic understanding you know someone actually wrote and i, I kind of like this is when you read revelation it's it's more of a book of poetry than it is of code uh sometimes uh-huh. we read revelation and we think oh there's a code in here that i need to unlock and if i unlock the code then i'm a better christian or if I unlock the code, I'm going to understand when Jesus is going to return. Or if I unlock the code, I can understand world events. Mm. And while there is some things that are kind of coded in Revelation, meaning like you kind of have to dig a little bit deeper to understand, really, I think a better way to approach it is to say this is like a, a, a poem that someone has mm. written. And the meaning in the poem, what they're getting at in the poem is actually really, really important. And that's a little bit where the heart of the meaning is. But I would even right. say that more important than looking at it as poetry or as a code is knowing that it's still a scripture, that it still is the word of God, and that God can speak to you through it. And God can speak to you as you're reading through it. And he can do that to us corporately, or, but also individually. So the last part of this, Pat, and this is where it gets, so the, the lamb grabs the scroll, and then we have this amazing worship. And I think what's really important here for us to, to note is that Jesus is the lamb. And there's no doubt about that um, mm-hmm. in, in scripture. It's not like we think this lamb is some something else. This is just Jesus. Uh, right. We know that from other parts in, in scripture. We get multiple titles that point to Jesus. You know, the root of Jesse, tribe of Judah. Uh, this is Jesus. And Jesus is praised. So you have these four living creatures, you have these 24 elders, you have what it mm-hmm. says is thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000 angels, <laughs> right? Wow. Like wow. 10,000 times 10,000 is 100 million. That's a lot. <laughs> That's, that is I don't a know lot. if I've ever, I don't know if I've seen 100 million different people in my lifetime. Yeah, pro- probably not. I mean, the largest like stadium I've ever been to I think there was like 85 or 90,000 people in it. Oh, I'm not see, I'm not saying in one shot. I'm saying just passing by. You know, mm-hmm. I live in an in an apartment complex and there's maybe two dozen people and then driving you see however many people. I don't even think I've seen 100 million different people in my yeah, lifetime. Yeah. That's an interesting thought. How many there would be? Well, here's what gets even crazier. So you have all these these angels singing together in one voice. Uh, and they're singing this new song to the Lamb. They're praising mm-hmm. the Lamb. They're praising Jesus. Now, in Revelation and other places, John tries to kneel down to worship the angel. Like he tries to go down and like to drop to his knees and to like kind of give praise to the angel because everything's so holy around him. And the mm-hmm. angel is like, "Don't you do it? <laughs> like <laughs> worship God only. Don't you worship me? That's a mistake." And so what we see here is like in heaven, you know, this isn't like all these people are wrong. They should be worshiping God. Uh, What we see here is that Jesus is God. 
And this is one of those mm. things that, you know, we've been, maybe you've been raised on that. Maybe you know that Jesus is God, but it's really hard to understand, like, how does this work? You know, how can there be a lamb who is on the throne when God's on the throne at the same time? What does that right. even look like? And how can they worship God, but also worship the lamb at the same time? And there's a mystery around how that works. But we see mm-hmm. here that the lamb, Jesus, is worshiped by all of the angels. And by the way, it extends past angels and it goes to every creature. Yeah. I, I tried to do some research on this. I, and, and this is one of those like questions that no one can really answer, but people guess at it. And it's how many living creatures have ever existed on earth? Oh gosh, I have no idea. I don't even have How, a guess. Yeah. And so people say, well, we don't know, but can we put an upper limit on it? Like, can we put a cap on it? Like, if we know that the earth is, you know, X amount of years old, and we know that, you know, there can only be so many organisms in a square meter and blah, blah. And they come up with all these crazy ideas. And, you know, the numbers are crazy and they're all over the place. But you're talking about a number that has like 20 something zeros in it. But if you think about every creature on heaven and earth, and it even says in under the earth and in the sea, all of them at the same time are worshiping the lamb and God. And I don't know if there's a, I mean, I do know, I, 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 there is not a more epic picture of worship in all of scripture than this. And what they're worshiping isn't the powerful Jesus with a sword in the mouth uh, and the eyes on, on fire. What they're worshiping is a lamb who is slain. Amen. Amen. I mean, weird to say amen, but it's like a good, it's a good thing. So I'll throw it out there. Anyone who uh, really wants to do um, a work of art on this, uh, you know, one thing we didn't mention, Pat, is, is I think it's in, in the middle of this verse, it says that every people from every tongue and tribe and nation were bought by the blood of Jesus. And so when I've looked at art for this scene, the art that I've seen is typically groups of people who are in angels and the heavenly creatures who are worshiping the lamb. But everyone in the art scene looks the same. They usually have the mm. same skin color. They usually mm-hmm. are wearing the same kind of clothes. So if anyone out there is is really wanting to get their art going again, I would love to see an image of, of someone painting this scene in heaven out of Revelation chapter five, but adding diversity to the crowds of people. Absolutely. Um, I think that'd be amazing because that is actually a better, a more truthful image to the scripture than what the majority of art has given us. So share that art with Patrick. Thanks for tuning in to today's Devo and make sure that you tune in next Sunday for part three of Revelation. I'm looking forward to it. We'll see you guys later.